Good evening. Happy New Year. I had a dream about all you guys last night. I did. I have very vivid dreams. I remember most of my dreams. And I had a dream last night. We weren't in this house, but Chris and I were going about like morning stuff. <clears throat> and I get up early. I think most of you know that. And I came into the living room and there were people here. There were outpost people in the living room. I was like, hey. And I, I don't remember specifically who it was. And I was like, hey. I was like, what are you doing here? I'm like, oh, we're here for outposts. So, no. I said, uh, it's like 7 in the morning. I'm like, yeah, but you put 5.30 a.m. in the email. <laughs> so I hollered for Kristen and said, we need bacon and orange juice. And that's how we were going to solve the outpost at 5.30 in the morning. So if you come here at 5.30 in the morning, you might get bacon and orange juice. We'll still feed you. We'll still feed you. That's right. <laughs> I do make good candied bacon, though. Um, <laughs> Let's pray. We're going to read Psalm 133. We're going to talk about New Year and being a new creation in Christ. And then next week, we're going to pick back up with our Westminster Confession of Faith study. And then we're going to feast. We'll sing and then we'll feast. we got a whole bunch of incredible food tonight. So let's pray and then uh, let's, let's dive in. Father, we're so incredibly grateful for this new year. We're grateful to be new creations in Christ and we're grateful for the path ahead of us. And so we ask that you lead us and that we can be confident, and that we can be joyous, and that we can be gracious, and that all that we do is done for the glory of your name above everything else. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Psalm 133. Hi. It's good to see you. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be, to God. Thanks be to God indeed. We have a busy church weekend. We have Sunday school tomorrow. That's going to be really fun. We're going to talk about Epiphany and Epiphantide. And then we're going to get back into the book of Matthew after that. And we'll just keep feasting. There's so much feasting to be done. So loosen the belts up a little bit more. The soup tonight is going to be delicious. Happy New Year. Happy I am incredibly excited for 2024. I think that this is going to be a really incredible year for our community. I, to be honest, New Year's Eve hasn't ever really been a big thing for me. Thank you for an incredible New Year's Eve. I just, I even wrote in here, this year we had a really nice and delightful evening with friends, with these friends right over here. And it was about my speed. Our New Year's Eve this year was totally my speed. It involved some good cocktails and piles and pounds of barbecue and good friends and a lot of laughs. But like the idea of partying on New Year's Eve has never really been my thing. And even the idea of New Year's resolutions have never been kind of like a big part of my, my life or a big part of my cycle. And probably because the logical part of my brain knows the batting averages of people keeping New Year's resolutions. When we talked about that. If, if those of you who were with us last year at church, we met for Sunday school on New Year's Day, I think it was. I think we had, wasn't it? I think New Year's Day was Sunday morning and we did Jonathan Edwards resolutions. We talked about New Year's resolutions from the eyes of Jonathan Edwards. And then we went about our lives. So I don't really plan my New Year's resolutions because I know that those batting averages are really low. And, and truthfully, December 31st to January 1st is just this kind of arbitrary marker, isn't it, right? It, it, it's the end of December and then the beginning of January. Like, it's just, what was this year? Sunday night to Monday morning? That's really all it is. So, so New Year's, this idea of like, it's 2024, we're going to do new things, is not actually what I want to focus on and talk about tonight, but it kind of is, but in a roundabout way. 
It's not the resolutions that I want to look at. Uh, It's the concept of newness. So we talk about resolutions, we talk about a new year, but I really want to focus on this idea of newness. And I want to look at Paul's words in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, a new has come. And so what is this idea of being a new creation? Because I think this idea of being a new creation is significantly more important than like, here's the new things I'm going to do this year. Here's my New Year's resolution. And then like January 17th, you're like, it was a really good six and a half days. You're like, that doesn't add up, right? You're like, yeah, but the other 10 and a half, I was just thinking about doing it. And so I, I, I think it's important because as we enter this year and as people talk about newness and talk about New Year's resolutions, I think that people are searching for the right things, but they're looking in the wrong places. We're searching for the right things, but looking in the wrong places because so many people so many people can articulate that in their lives they feel that something is missing, right? And, and so I think that even for Christians and, and the pagan folk as well, that that's why this, the trigger of the new year is so important to them. It's new. It's a new start. It's a fresh start. I'm going to go do new things, new me. This year I will. I'm going to wait until January 1st, but I will go do it. But of course, rarely do those new starts or those new plans last. And I think, and we've been talking about seeing things through new eyes, but I think it's because we're looking at things through the wrong eyes. Because people are looking at this as an event or an action, not as a state of being. We're looking at new things to go do, not as the state of being, as being a new creation. So I'll give you an example, a real life example. Four years ago today, I had to go look at my resignation letter. Four years ago today, I quit my flying job. I wrote a letter. We, we prayed about it over the weekend. And I wrote a letter on Monday morning, and I sent the letter out, and I quit. And the time that was leading up until this day four years ago was this season in my life that was just full of discontent and frustration and stress and so much stress and so much discontent. And, and it happened at a place where, like, if you'd looked externally, for all intents and purposes, I was, like, at the peak. I'd kind of hit the top of where you would want to go in my particular field. I was in the job that people sought after. There was large financial compensation that was included with it. It had all of the things that you might want, but I was really discontent. I felt like something was missing because it was. And so I was following this path of worldly success. I loved Jesus and believed in Jesus, but I was trying to serve God, but also mostly trying to follow the path of worldly success. And then like you know, serving God was kind of back here a little bit behind. And I did love Jesus and I could articulate many things about Jesus. I'd been to seminary but not all of the synapses in my brain, the, the, like the sanctification synapses, had really clicked because something wasn't quite right. I, I knew something was missing. I knew that I actually needed something new. I needed a change. I needed a fresh start. But I missed it all in the right context. And that when I was having this really frustrating time, literally at the bottom of the world, as close to you can, you can get to the bottom without falling off the planet, and I was having this incredibly frustrating time thousands and thousands and thousands of miles away, and I was processing with Kristen, and you might be the most patient human being in the history of patient human beings. And I was, hi, I was processing, well, hello, I was wondering if you were coming, I'm glad you're here. I was processing, I was churning, and I did what many of us, people who share the same kind of personality traits as many of us do in these circumstances, and what people now tell me when they come to me with these same types of circumstances, I was looking for all the things that I could change in my life that would change the situation, the new things. I'm going to quit the job and get the new job. 
The new job is going to fix my problem. I'm going to do this other thing over here, and that's going to fix my problem. I was looking for all of these external things, right? Yeah, the new job. That, that, that'll, that'll fix it. Maybe it's work. It's just I don't like this type of work. So if I do the exact same type of work somewhere else, the results will be totally different. Right? So uh, well, maybe, maybe it's, maybe it's not, not work. Maybe I need to like replace this with something else over here, right? But I, everything that I came up with as a solution was putting me back in the same infinite loop cycle. And it was you that called that out. You're like, maybe you should just take a deep breath and count to a million and pause. I'm like, no! So many things we must go do. And so I was setting myself up for this infinite loop cycle. And then between Kristen and, and her, her as, as my helpmate really helping me see with some clarity and then the beauty of COVID. <laughs> Those two things took place and it was like this great God reset for me. Kristen, you, you understood how to help open my eyes. You, you share time with your helpmate, right? You, you are walking this journey together as one and she knew how to speak to me. It's like horse whispering a little bit. You have to, <laughs> have to make the horse think it's the horse idea to go do the thing. It's just wives have to do the same thing with barbarians. And so... She helped open my eyes to kind of the clarity of the situation. And then COVID, because I'm a super slow learner, God has to also just keep hitting me over the head because when I finally quit, I was like, well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go contract work and do the exact same job I used to do. <laughs> but I've been thinking about like, what was the big pivot on January 6, 2020? If I was to share with you, like, what's this big, because people ask, well, you like made this huge pivot in life. Everything seems to have changed. It had nothing to do with work. It actually had nothing to do with work. The big pivot wasn't just because I quit this job, though I needed that. That was where my pivot point was, where I needed. But, but that wasn't actually the thing. The thing was, and my friend Thad said this, and I said this once in a sermon at a church I helped plant, and then they got all wrapped around the axle about it. I don't even know why. but He says, when you know that you know that you know. There are these moments where you know Jesus. You're in faith in Jesus. But there's another moment when you know that you know that you know. And <laughs> it's really true. I think that you can know Jesus. You can be in faith in Jesus. You can, you can know parts of the Bible, but you haven't quite taken that step into living all of Christ for all of life. And this is not like some like weird Christian enlightenment, like pathway to secret success, mail us 20 bucks, and all the blessings will be yours once the check clears. But I think that, that when, you, when you get to this point, when the Holy Spirit cuts so deep in you, when you know that you know that you really know, you start to understand that it's not about a new job or a new life or a new hobby or a new anything. What you, what you understand is something that you already knew that you didn't really know is that you are a new creation, that the old is gone and the new is already here, that you are actually made new, that, that, that when you came into faith in Jesus, you're not the person you were before, even if you don't realize it yet. And that's what Paul's talking about here in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, Christ, he is a new creation. Not he will be, he is. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. And, and the tense in that is important. It's the present tense. You're not waiting to be a new creation. No, you're in Christ. And now in 25 years from now, if you do all the 19 steps right and you follow the path exactly perfect, you will be a new creation. You are a new creation. You are made new the second that you're in faith in Jesus. The problem isn't God. It's your hard heart. Right? We, we all have hard hearts. We have sin that pulls us from God. 
sin, the devil, they cloud the fact that we know that we are made new, right? It it clouds this, this fact. It is a fact. And so there are so many people that are running around in so much discontent looking for the new thing that's going to solve their problem. When the reality is Christ has already made you new. It's done. He, he did it when he brought you to faith. It's you that resists it, right? And, and here's the big hard truth, the, the offensive thing for the evening. We are, you are the authors of your own misery. It's true. You are the authors of your own misery. Amen, Amen indeed. You're when you're discontent, when you're miserable, when you're frustrated, when your expectations are unmet, the root cause is always our own selfishness, our own pride, our own sin. That's just a fact. Now, I'm not saying that we won't suffer and we won't experience difficulty in life. I, I think I even sent it. I don't know where I've got it on here. Andy Wilson said this in Death by Living. I, I, was, I, put, I sent this quote out to the church group. The truth is that life well lived is always lived on the rising scale of difficulty. Life's hard. Nobody promised you it was going to be easy. See, most of all the previous generations until recent times actually knew it was hard. <laughs> they, they were watching like the show, people settling on the Oregon Trail. Nobody was like, do we get a two-week vacation? <laughs> When's my PTO? Um, so, so we're really comfortable. I'm not saying that there's problems with us being able to be in rest, but I think sometimes we've forgotten that life is difficult and we will suffer. 2 Timothy 2.3, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. You're soldiers of God. You will suffer. But also remember, that is different than wallowing in your misery. You can choose to wallow in your suffering or, or you can look at it like Matthew 5.11 we, we, through 12. We studied this earlier in Matthew. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. No one promised you it would be easy, but God does promise you it will be meaningful. And he does promise you that, that the work that you're doing is for his kingdom. We live this out here, 1 Corinthians 10.31. Whether you eat, drink, or whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Whatever you do, you're supposed to do it for the glory of God. If you're stuck in prison, start a prison ministry. I just had the kids in my economics and government class read Chuck Colson's. Uh, it was something that he wrote in, I think it was in the Hillsdale, in the Hillsdale magazine years ago. He's the guy that started Prison Fellowship. Yeah, and he, was, he got in trouble because he was wrapped up in the Watergate scandal and then came to faith in prison and then started ministering to dudes in prison and then started Prison Fellowship, which is now ministering to millions and millions and millions of people in prison, Right? Wherever you are, you are called to serve the Lord. Whatever you do, you are called to do it for the glory of God. And see, this is where I think it's like the part where you know, you know, that you know kind of peace. See, when you have the understanding, when you know that you know that you know, you understand that deeply that God is actually in control. You are exactly where you're supposed to be. That may not be where you want to be, but you are exactly where you are supposed to be because God is in control of everything. So that means that if you're cleaning toilets, that's where you're supposed to be right now. If you're being the CEO, that's where you're supposed to be. A minister, a wife, a student, a pilot, headed off to training, uh, living in a land of uncertainty and ambiguity. You are exactly where you are supposed to be. Paul says to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 10, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content." 
But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. We're going to talk a little bit more about that tomorrow morning at Sunday school when we talk about epiphany and we talk about gifts and, and how we're supposed to share the things that God has given us. But the point is, the love of any idol other than God will always bring you pangs and problems. It will bring you misery. You will have unfulfilled expectations. I have a friend that said, expect, he's a pastor as well, he says, expectations are premeditated resentments. <laughs> he's, he's right. This is how people get into the victim mindset. It's unfortunate. Really horrible things can happen to people. But the idea of being a victim is a mindset. It is, it is a mindset, not an action that has taken place against you. We know that evil lives in the world, but we believe in a good God that can even work incredible good through evil. Our friend whose daughter was murdered at Columbine, she talks about her daughter's death and how many millions of people have been reached through the gospel, have, have been reached with the gospel because of her daughter's death. That more people have been reached because of what was an evil act that God used for good. We don't know because we're not God, how the things that are taking place in our life serve His glory, because they do serve His glory. Look at this, 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10. But He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. It is the paradox of our faith. When you are weak, you are strong because your weakness allows you to understand that you are dependent on God. And then you put your trust in God. And that's what allows you to live this all of Christ for all of life, life, because you realize that your strength, everything you have, only comes from God. It comes from nowhere else. That's how you live content. That's how you can deal with this sine wave of life. You didn't think you were replacing the alternator in your truck yesterday, but you are now, <laughs> right? There are all kinds of things that can be thrown at us, some big, some small. It's amazing. Everybody's problems feel really big to them, don't they? Everybody's problems feel really big to them while we're going through them. But this reminder this reminder is that our strength comes only from Jesus. And that because of that, we can persevere through anything. I, I really mean that. Like if there's, we're going to, this whole year of 2024 is going to be about discipleship and, and faith lived out through our fingertips and the actionable Christian life that, that we've been encouraging and talking to you about. But that can only be done if you understand that it's God that leads the way and that your strength comes from Him because then you can persevere through anything. Because you're not afraid of anything. Why? Because it's what Romans 8.31 says. How, what should we say to these things? If God is for us, who shall be against us? Now, this isn't like a cop-out. Well, I'm just not going to work hard. <laughs> You've heard the old joke about the guy drowning in the flood, and they're praying to God, and a couple boats come by, and a rescue helicopter, and they all drown, and he gets to heaven. And, God, I prayed to you. Like, why didn't you rescue me? He's like, I sent you two boats and a helicopter. Why didn't you get on them? <laughs> Part of our sanctification, our growing in faith, is the desire to continually do better. It's not about being saved by works. It's, it's not about, like, merit badge sanctification. You all know that both of those things I don't believe in. But 
we want to do better because we want to praise the Lord and serve him better, right? Like think about things like working out. That's a good idea. You should protect the body that God gave you. You should grow in strength so you can swing your kids around. But don't wear the short shorts and take gym selfies. That's vanity, right? That's gross. That's idolatry. Especially the dudes. When I see the dudes like in... No. If you're cleaning toilets and you'd like to not clean toilets, that's okay. You can not want to clean toilets your whole life. But while you're there, serve God, preach the gospel, do an incredible job, and don't live in this discontent world of, well, until then. Until I get this next thing, then I will be. That's conditional happiness, and that's idolatry. If then, if then, if then, if then, if then, it doesn't work. Because everything that you do, whether you're picking up little kid puke, or you're mucking up a stall, or you're, I don't even know, cleaning the toilet, I'm trying to think of really gross. We should just go watch all the micro dirty job episodes. If you're doing any of the things that micro did at dirty jobs... You can do that for the glory of God. You can do the absolute best job and serve the Lord in that place because you're a new creation. And being a new creation means that the old ways of worshiping things that aren't God don't work, that you understand that none of these things are to be worshiped, only God. All of those things are a pathway that leads you straight to hell because when you, when you understand where you are as a new creation in Christ, you realize that the only thing that you are to worship is God, that, that he is the thing that is the object of your affection and all of your desire. And so ideally, you should pursue work where your giftings and, and your goals are. But you should also be content if God doesn't take you there or he doesn't take you as fast as you want to get there or if it looks a lot longer or it looks a lot more suffering. We all like draft these pathways of like, my ideal is over here. I mean, if we had had our idea, we would be on a ranch with a shooting range and a dirt strip and a church made out of brick. I probably should have put the church out of brick before the shooting range. But either way, uh, <laughs> and stained glass windows, but we're not. I have an urban farm in the middle of Denver, and I hear gunshots down the street. Because <laughs> Denver needs Jesus. <laughs> so <laughs> sometimes the pathway that, that you've drawn on the napkin, you know, men planning God laughs. He's like, that's a cute picture. That's not the way you're going to go there. <laughs> Because you have to remember, you're not just doing stuff for a few years. I, I was reading something before you all came over. I don't even know. Books are scattered everywhere. And he's like, you know, the, the part of this, Amer like the American fallacy is like, okay, party really hard in your young years. Work really hard in your middle years. Do nothing in your old years. That's, that's not the biblical focus. <laughs> Never in the history of mankind is that how people live their lives, right? But they don't live for just like this, this future relaxation. They live to build a thousand generations. Like what's the inheritance you're leaving and who are you leaving it to? And that inheritance should be based on wisdom and you should also probably leave some stuff, ideally like houses and things that you, other people that have your last name think can go build their big families and make more people with your last name. I'm going to release a podcast next week on Make Cemeteries Great Again. So you can look forward to that on Wednesday. It's going to be good. I, mean, I want to make cemeteries great again too. We're not doing things for just a few years in advance. I'm not just trying to plan my life out time 50 or 55. We, we are adopted children of God and we are eternal creations which means we are actually making plans for eternity, which is really incredible. You are serving the Lord forever. So your life here should act like that. You are building the kingdom of God for generations. And, and people that are doing that do that in gratitude and thanksgiving and in praise and joy because they know that God saved them, 
right? I, I know I've said this to you before, but nobody actually owes you anything. I don't know if, you, if anyone's told you that this week, but nobody owes you anything. God doesn't owe you anything. Certainly not. You're all enemies of God. Actually, what you're owed is eternal punishment for the sin in your hearts. Just like the, the sin in your hearts, not even the stuff that you took action on, right? Because it separates you from God. But then God, in His graciousness, sent Jesus Christ to us to save us. And, and here we are as a new creation because of that gift that He gave us. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, He is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. Like, this is, if there's a takeaway from tonight that I, I want you to impress on your hearts permanently, especially as we, we kind of kick off 2024, is the old is gone. It's gone. It is gone, and the new has come. It is something that has already happened. And so you should rejoice in that. And you should live as a new creation. You should pray to God to grow you this year in an all of Christ for all of life, life. And here's something that you can do because you're all going to slip into old patterns, right? We all do this. You slip into habits and patterns and, and sin and, and things. When you do that, remind yourself that you're a new creation and that you don't have to do that. You don't have to live like that. You've been forgiven for that. Instead, you can, you can just stop it right then and there. That's it. That's all it takes. You can stop it right then and there because Satan wants you to be discontent. He wants you to think about all the things you don't have, the things that you think you deserve to have, the life that you think that you should have. You see, when you get stuck in those places, that's when you remind yourself that you are a new creation. We always have the opportunity to adjust and change and move in the godly direction immediately. Like We are, we are forward-looking people. We are not defined by the past. Now, we don't want to keep repeating that repeating our sins. That's where repentance and forgiveness, especially repentance, turning away from, repenting from is really important. But when you live a forgiven life, you forgive other people. And when you live a forgiven life, you live a repentant life. Forgiveness and repentance give us a path forward. It gives us a way to turn from old habits, to live in the reality of being a new creation. So remind yourself, you're never stuck. As a new creation, you are never stuck. The old is dead. The new is alive. Like, Jesus Christ is life. He is light. You have life because he breathes air into your lungs. I was laughing. We were at the barn. We were looking at the alpacas. And I was like, ha ha, take that evolutionists. God's breathing life into these hilariously looking alpaca creatures. No way evolution would have made that. So you're to live as one who is alive. Life is meant to be spent living. Do you realize that? Life is meant to be spent living. We are people that are made to be alive, to be reborn, because death has been conquered. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Hey, the old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. So, as you go about this year and you're thinking about the direction, it's okay to want direction. It's okay to pray for direction. But also make sure that your prayers include, Lord, let me faithfully walk in the direction that you lead me. I would like you to lead me over here, Montana, whatever. But if, if not, Lord, if you keep me in the middle of Denver in the city, then I'm going to faithfully walk in the path that you have me here. Don't place your trust in anything other than Jesus. Everything else will fail you. And, and if you don't remember about any of that, go back and listen to all the sermons on Ecclesiastes. Solomon, who had more money and more privilege and, and more of everything than anybody could ever want, realized that it was all vanity. It was all vanity with the exception of serving the Lord. We are to live as new creations in Jesus Christ. He should be the whole of our satisfaction.
Philippians 4, 11 through 13. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. If you are to make one New Year's resolution, if you're only to make one New Year's resolution, it should be to commit to the all of Christ for all of life, life, to live as a new creation in Christ. So worship hard this year, work hard, love hard, pray hard, and feast so, so well. Amen? Amen. Let's sing, and then let's do that second part of feasting so, so well.